The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. Well, well, well. It has been a while now, hasn't it? Are you doing well? Have you had many pleasant dreams? Did you enjoy the horror days? <laughs> well, today we start a new story. And although there aren't any tentacles that I know of in it, we shall stick with the name Tentacle Tuesday. For all Tuesdays should be filled with squirmy, lively, ticklish tentacles that make your heart pound with excitement. Uriel's Apprentice takes us back nearly four decades before the events of Detective Warren Stevens versus the cult of Igatsu and deals with the origins of Mr. Alistair, Maggie, and how Uriel came to have an apprentice. We start this particular chapter in a place of desolation, a place where evil souls lay bound. Before we begin, let me reintroduce myself. I am your host on this journey, Lord Piothram. And I do need to warn you that this podcast does contain images of graphic violence, child endangerment, and foul language. It is not intended for children under the age of 13. That being said, I hope you enjoy this story. If you do, or you want to tell us your thoughts on our last story, feel free to message us at Mr. Tentacle. That's Mr. as in M-R, Tentacle, Lord P-O-Thra. That's spelled P-E-O-T-H-R-A at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And now... Let us delve into the darkness once more as we enter the domain of Ekmalak and Chapter 1, The Waste. Desolation stretched into the darkness to a barren, dry, useless husk of a world that laid huddled in the recesses of time. A spinning requiem caught in the solace of empty thoughts empty dreams and desires, defined only by the bleakness that gives it life. Rising up from it, from the waste, holding no true form, a vat of ink-like darkness was Ekmalak, the fallen one, faceless yet a multitude of faces, all to be seen at once, harrowing, skull-like, twisted, broken images of human, non-human, animal, and nonsensical, images that bubbled forth to a surface, as if seeking breath, screaming, begging into the endless void that stretched before him, all forever looking, forever beckoning, beckoning for you to look and behold him, Ekmalak, the Magnum Malam. To deny it or him was mortal foolishness, to embrace him, a sickly sweet, never-ending spiral of corruption allowing yourself to become anything you want at the cost of who you are and were meant to be. A trap of self-indulgence that leads to an eternal emptiness, a path that leads only to one singular spot, the waste, where all things of darkness come to fall at his feet. The waste, 
the place where Malinthorn, fallen angel, general in the revolt, and now a lost and empty vessel had returned to die. In the past he had served his master well, a true blight on existence, a horror to behold as he stood with Ekbalak in defiance as they flew into battle at the fall of creation. His horns held high, his wings a leather mockery to the glorious ones worn by Mikkel and his brethren. Malinthorn and his kind had worked diligently to bring humanity to their level, to corrupt Aldone's new creation and twist it to their own liking. And it had worked, as all creation seemed to be descending into desolation. But Aldone knew all of these things and sent forth the word. He sparked new life and bound creation to his flesh. This, this forced Ekmalak into the waste, chaining him there until a time. And now that Ekmalak was no longer able to lead in his true form, he brought forth the Cadric Order, giving them each a piece of himself to ignite the flames of darkness in the human heart. It was only with them he would find his eventual path to freedom and rule. As the eons passed, a weariness took hold of Malinthorn. He began to ponder what was the point of their revolution. How was this desolation a new life? Yes, they were no longer subservient to Aldone, but he and his kindred were still slaves, slaves to Ekmalak and his whims. Their revolution was a failure, a lie, and in the end, he had become a twisted tool of hate. As he pondered these things, Malinthorn heard the familiar sound of dried, leathery wings as a small, impish demon landed near him. Mr. Malinthorn, I have been sent by him with a message. Speak, dog, Malinthorn grumbled. The Lord of the Waste wishes you to return to the Earth Realm and seek out and destroy all of Solomon's gates. Malinthorn had heard of these devices created before the word and used by a group of humans to traverse time. These humans had become a true adversary of the Cadric Order. It was no wonder he had wanted them destroyed. But why now? Why after over a thousand years? What was Ekmalak thinking? Why had he waited so long? Something smelled wrong, but he dared not disobey. Tell our master I will head out immediately. Malinthorn answered. The imp-like creature bowed and flew off into the horizon. Over the next ten years, he sought out the Solomon Gates, killing every man, woman, and child associated with them. It kept him busy and away from the waste and its endless nothingness. But now, he was nearly finished with his mission. He had one more gate to eliminate and then, then he would be summoned home. This was no comfort for he did not wish to return. He flew up into the blackness of the new moon. This would provide him both cover and power. As he plummeted towards the monolithic structure, something, no someone rose from behind it. An angel? No, none of them were permitted assistance. It had been why his work had been so easy. Smiling in anticipation, he pulled his axe off his back and ignored the being ascending above him. First, he thought, the gate, and then he could smoke whatever these humans had put together. 
With a swing of his axe, a ball of red energy flew at lightning speed towards the gate below. The blast shook the air and Malanthorn sneered in victory as he could hear the screams of the wounded. But his victory had not been as easy as he had thought. The person circling above now drew a blade and came hurling out of the sky towards his back. Malanthorn barely had time to turn with his axe and defend against a blow that sent him crashing towards the earth. But before he hit the ground, this thing was below him and struck him with such a force, he went flying backwards. Malanthorn bent over, crippled in pain as he spit up some blood, desperately trying to regain both his composure and the upper hand. This had to be an angel in human service. Aldoni must have decided that he had had enough and allowed one of his servants to assist to put a stop to Malanthorn and the destruction of the Solomon Gates. Malanthorn hung in the air, gasping for breath as his foe rose to meet him. He took a good look at the man. It is a man, a human. His wings were not of flesh but energy, and the blade. It looked like Uriel's, the Lumen Sum. But this isn't Uriel. The man looked at him with cold impunity. His eyes seemed to glow a deep amethyst as he hung there, as if debating something. And then, out of nowhere, he spoke. Okay, I will do as you ask, Malanthorn. I will give you a new start. Malanthorn was stunned at the statement. He seemed to know the confusion in his heart. Within seconds, the man was behind him, and a searing pain ran through his flesh as he felt a cutting sensation. Malanthorn began to fall from the sky at an alarming rate. It was then he realized his wings. He had sliced off his wings. He hit the earth, plowing deep into a hillside, just outside a small farming village. His bones bent under the force of his own momentum until finally he came to a stop. He lay there and waited for what seemed like hours for the man to come and finish him. But he never did. What did he mean? New start. Slowly, he pulled himself up and hid in a barn near a small human village, where he passed out from the pain. He awakened to what had to be days later, to a woman putting ointment on his wounds and binding him with bandages. He could have killed her with a swipe of his claws, but she fascinated him. He managed to choke out a simple question. Why? She simply answered, I was taught we should love all our enemies. That statement made no sense. It was an utter contradiction to everything he believed. He thought her foolish. He would pretend to accept her kindness, heal, and then kill her and the village. New start. He scoffed at the notion. He was a fallen angel, a demon of the waste. There was no going back. But every day she came and cleaned his wounds and rewrapped his bandages. She would sit next to him and read. The stories were of a man, kind, loving, forgiving. The more she spoke of that man, the more he wanted to hear. One story in particular resonated with him. The prodigal son. How? How could a father forgive such sins? 
and welcome someone home. How? It made no sense. His head swam. His mind was troubled. He had to kill this woman soon. Before. Before what? In the end, he spent his days watching over her, her family, until finally she passed away. When she did, he returned to the waste, knowing full well Ekmalak was waiting, that there was no escaping. This had been his second betrayal, and this time it was Ekmalak, not Aldone. Malinthorn didn't even try to defend against the blow sending him into a cliff wall. You knew I was watching. You knew I would kill you upon your return. And yet, here you stand. Ekmalak took his horns without effort and plunged him into his flesh, pinning him to an old stone wall. There you shall lie in an endless torment. You shall watch as the sun rises over the waste, searing your flesh, boiling it away. <laughs> and if you think dying will free you, you are wrong. You will suffer this until I rise and take creation for myself. What seemed an eternity of pain and regret passed, and each new day, a new torment seemed to emerge. Then, to his surprise, a shadow crossed his face, covering the sun's light. Who? He tried to make out the silhouette, but the impossibility of what he saw only made him believe that madness had set in. Demon, the shadow said to him, why do you lie here in such a state? He tried to talk, but only managed to cough up blood. Here, she said, drink this. He laughed to himself and wondered, Is this Ekmalak's final punishment? To have a mirage offer me hope? They call you Malinthorn, or did. I have no name, Malinthorn sputtered, trying to disengage from the specter. He wanted to be left alone. Hallucination or no, he didn't want to be bothered. Leave me. I am nothing. Let me suffer as it is willed. Hmm. I don't like that name, the girl said thoughtfully, disregarding his statement. She moved so that the sun was no longer behind her, and he could see her clearly now. Bright blue eyes and silver hair. Uriel? No. No wings. And Uriel would never come to the waste. So, if she's not Uriel, who is she? More importantly, why? If she was ten, it would be a stretch. It made him ponder. How could a human child be standing here in the waste and not be turning to a cinder? She put the cup to his lips and poured more of the liquid into its scorched mouth, forcing it down his throat. As the water passed his lips, the effects of the sun diminished, and he could feel his strength returning to him. I think, she said in a melodic voice, I think I will call you Alistair. Mr. Alistair, do you like that name? She leaned down and pulled the first of the two horns out of his flesh and tossed it into the sands. It ignited in the sun's blaze. 
What do you want of me, child? Still uncertain of what he beheld. Well, Mr. Alistair, I need you to save and train my master, she said, taking out the second horn and tossing it aside as well. She held out her hand and smiled at him. Slowly he sat up and took it. It was so small, and yet it seemed filled with incredible power. He laughed and said, And what shall I call you, my lady? Um, Arista. Arista. That's an unusual name. She led him across the plain and then a river. Mr. Alistair, I know your sins weigh heavily on you, and I won't lie. You have a long journey in which you will be tested many times. She held out a black amulet encrusted in blue gems. Put this around your neck. It will mask your demon aura and will allow you to leave the waste. When you arrive in the earth realm, seek out Jack Stevens of the Cafe Solfeggio. He can guide you on your way. You may tell him I sent you, but do so only in private. Few know of me, and for now it must be that way. As you command, the old demon said. He was confused, amazed, and suddenly, standing on a dirt road surrounded by several low-lying mountains, his large axe once more in his hands, and he was looking at a different setting sun. It was cool, the air crisp and full of life. Don't worry, Mr. Alistair. I'll be watching over you. He headed off towards the setting sun and pondered once more about the prodigal son. Aldone, for whatever reason, was giving him a second chance. And to quote one of my favorite TV shows, and so it begins. As we reintroduce ourselves to the strange Mr. Alistair. It will be interesting to see what role he has to play in this story. Please tune in next Tentacle Tuesday as we meet our hero for the first time in Chapter 2, The Steps of Heaven, as Jonah Hollander finds out for the very first time what does lurk just outside of our vision in the shadows.